Welcome to the Living Faith Fellowship Conference podcast. The Living Faith Fellowship is a peer network of like-minded churches united under a single biblical authority and one common mission. You're about to hear a message from one of the many conferences hosted by the Living Faith Fellowship every year. We pray it's a blessing. Well, good morning, everybody. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm excited to be here. and uh, it's, it's such a blessing to be able to talk about, you know, finishing strong and that, that perspective. And so um, I titled my message, uh, Give Me This Mountain. Give me this mountain. And, uh, you know, as I, as I listened to Mike, you know, this morning, so much of what he, he said in, in terms of the adversity uh, that you face in planting a church and those type of things, it, it takes strength. It takes faith. And uh, so I saw a lot, I saw a lot of that in, in what, I, what I'm going to talk to you about because the focus is uh, Caleb is the man we're going to be dealing with. So uh, if you turn to Joshua chapter 14, if you got your Bibles, uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to come and to speak in this Finishing Strong session. Lord, such a really awesome blessing to be a part of Mission Focus. And so I pray, Lord, that all the speakers will be uh, effective and that you will use us all in the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So give me this mountain. So, uh, you know, Joshua 14, 12 says, Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. Now therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. So maybe you've been serving the Lord a long time. Your faithfulness is quite evident. Could it be that there have been times that you question where you are, where you were in ministry? You even question yourself. But then maybe you question God, or at least in your heart and mind, the thought was there. You ask that question, is, is this where you really want me, Lord? You might have asked that question. Has it ever crossed your mind that your cognitive thoughts are declining? You can't quote many of the verses that you had learned or memorized 10 or 20 years ago. Maybe your stamina is not as strong as it, was, it used to be, and you're not as eager in ministry than you have been in the past. Or maybe you've seen signs of burnout. There's no fruit. Your desire to disciple is fading. Personal expectations have a lot to do with that. Family issues, disagreements, and church direction, unmet goals. Of course, on the other hand, maybe you can look back and see the promises of God and you have not let go of his plan for your life. Will you say to God, give me this mountain? You see, regardless of how long you've been serving, do you still have the strength and the desire for ministry today that you had when you first started? So I want to look at the life of Caleb and examine how we can continue to build our own character qualities and glean the type of boldness that Caleb started with and maintain, because that's the key word, maintain 
throughout his life finishing strong. And there are some handouts that they will be passing out to you. So my first slide is Ephesians 6.10, where it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Numbers 13.1, the next slide said, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, of every tribe of the fathers, their fathers, shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. So we can see here that in Numbers chapter 13, that the command came from the Lord God unto Moses that he send 12 men, one from each tribe, into the land of Canaan to search out that land because God had promised that land to Israel. So from one man from every tribe was chosen. So we see in your scripture there, Oshia, in verse 8, whose name Moses actually changed to Joshua, and Caleb in verse 6. Now, Caleb was a 40-year-old man venturing out into what was probably his first assignment. He went with strength and encouragement. So you can see, just like Caleb, maybe your ministry probably started out with some pastor or leader challenging you to go out and accomplish a task to go. And that's what I heard this morning when the men were talking about planning a church, going out in ministry, or maybe not planning a church, being established in the ministry right here in the city. Point number one is, the question is, do you still have the zeal today that you started with in your ministry? That's on the first part of your handout, the first page. The book of Numbers in Deuteronomy gives us the backstory of Israel coming out of slavery in Egypt and moving toward the promised land. Moses' command to the 12 men in Numbers 13 was to spy out the land and, and to really get thee up into the mountain. Numbers 13, 25 tells us that the 12 return after searching the land for 40 days. They searched for 40 days. But what happened was 10 of the spies were afraid of the occupants of the land, and they could not see Israel being strong enough to take the land. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when there's challenges there, are we afraid to, to take the challenge? Uh, has the pastor challenged you to go out and do some things and you came back with a different report? And that's what happened here because here's my next point. The mere thought of strong ministry opposition will either cause you to run from danger or run into it. Now, you know, you should know that about first responders. When the towers were, were hit, you know, what happened was, and the terrorists hit those, those towers. Those men ran into the danger. They didn't run from it. They ran into it. And that's what they teach you as a police officer, as a fireman, as first responders. You go into it. You don't run away from it. Now, look, our responsibility as ministers, our responsibilities as leaders, disciples, is the same thing. We have to run into it, not run from it. And that's what happens. So the mere thought of a strong ministry opposition will either cause you to run from danger or run into it. Numbers 13, 28 says, Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. You see, Caleb and, and, and Jacob, they knew that was something was, Joshua, they knew that it was something going on. But those two men came back with a better report than the other ten. 
there are missionaries and church planters. And it's interesting because it's in my notes here. And I, I'm saying, my good, you're, you're saying what I'm what I want to do here. He says, but I'm saying that there are missionaries and church planters who've gone into areas that many Christians would not even think about going to. Why? Due to danger or strong opposition. Don't want to do it. My next slide in Numbers 13.30 says, And Caleb steal the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. You see, the ten men saw the giants there, the sons of Anak, saying they felt like grasshoppers to these giants. But Caleb saw that the power of God would be manifested in their faith and it would overcome any giants or walls if they went into the land to possess it. The Israelites' faith was so weak, so weak that they wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua. Here's my next point. The way to finish strong is to begin with a confident attitude that God is greater than any opposition, especially when we hold on to his promises. Caleb was saying, give me this mountain. That's what he was saying. You see, when you get confirmation that God is directing your steps into the beginning of your ministry and you fail to move ahead courageously, the ministry will probably die. While the land flowed with milk and honey and fruit, there were other obstacles there that included walls, giants, and strong people. Numbers 14.37 tells us that those 10 men who brought back that evil report and gets going into the land later died by a plague. You see, the children of Israel's lack of faith in God caused them to spend the next 40 years wandering in the desert. Here's my next point. A church without viable discipleship and mission ministries will wander in the worldly desert and produce no fruit. It will produce no fruit. They will wander in the worldly desert. Turn to Joshua 14, which you're there, verse six, because my first main point in the middle of your handout there, finishing strong is remembering his promises. Remembering his promises. Joshua 14, six says, then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the kins and the Kittites, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. That was the promise. The promise. You must know, understand, and trust what God said in his word. God told Moses to send these men to spy out the land so he would give the land to them to every tribe of their fathers. So that land was promised to them. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, for all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen. You see, when we know God's word, we can faithfully obey it. Psalm 119.11 says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And then Psalm 119.105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You can best believe that God keeps his promises. Man will fail, but not God. 
My point, main point number two in the inside of your handout, finishing strong is recognizing your position. Recognizing your position. You see, you can't be an effective leader and finish, finish strong if you've never been or not become a follower or a servant. If you want to have what God's promises are, you've got to be a follower. You've got to be a servant. 2 Corinthians 5.17, and on my slide there, it says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, when we become born again, we take a new position. We now are to live for Christ. So often leaders can forget uh, about the position, that, and they struggle to fulfill God's will for their lives because they forget how they started. We have to understand how to rekindle our position in Christ. And maintaining our position is recognizing our standing before God. You see, Caleb knew his standing and never wavered from it. He held fast. My next slide says 40 years old. This is verse 6 in chapter 14. 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to Cardes Barnea to espy out the land. You see, Caleb was 40 when they spied out the land of Canaan. Probably a good solid age for men and women who are looking at the fields and probably younger now because you want to do that for the Lord. But notice the verbiage in verses 7 and 8 of Joshua 14 because although Caleb went out with 11 men to spy out the land, he speaks to the children of Judah in first person. Why? Because he took the task personal. He said, 40 years old was I. Not us, he said, was I. Then he says that I brought Moses' words, and the words were from his heart, not the others. So Caleb took this personal. See, those are the words of a committed servant. Speak the word with conviction and never waver or fail. It's not about what others think. It's about you following God's word. Here's my next point. When you make ministry about your personal relationship with the Lord, it does not matter what negativity of the others bring. I heard that this morning. In spite of the adversity, those men were not going to allow that to keep them from planting churches. They were not going to do it. Verse, in my slide there, in verse 7, he says, And I brought him word again, and it was in mine heart. It was in his heart. The key words, in mine heart. Caleb was uh, given a position with Joshua and 10 others. 10 of those 12 men came back afraid and had no vision. Only Joshua and Caleb were confident that they could take the land. Caleb told Moses what was on his heart. Why? Because Caleb had a big heart. He had a big heart. You know, I want to go off on something here because a big heart can have a huge impact on finishing strong. Imagine in your heart um, a horse race. And maybe some of you have watched horse races on TV, and maybe you've been to some of the horse races, and you see a horse who's in the very back. He's almost last. And then suddenly that horse begins to move, and he comes back and begins to move forward toward the front and ultimately winning. Let me tell you something about a horse's heart. The average horse's heart weighs about 8.5 pounds. Okay? Secretariat, if you've heard of that horse, triple crown winner. He, his heart 
weighed 21 to 22 pounds. I said the average heart's heart was 8.5. Secretarius was 21 to 22 pounds. That's the largest heart ever for a horse. Why? Secretary used that heavy heart, that heavy, big heart to finish strong in every race. You don't have a big heart for ministry, you won't finish strong. You can develop a large heart for ministry by concerning your heart with the concerns of God's heart. Let me say that again. You can develop a large heart for ministry by concerning your heart with the concerns of God's heart. Here's my next slide, 1 Samuel 16, 7. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Here's my next point. Refocusing your position might mean repositioning your position. That's a lot of words. Refocusing your position might mean repositioning your position. You see, to avoid burnout, you may need to reposition yourself in ministry. I didn't say get out, but look to be more effective in possibly another position. Repositioning your purpose and talents should allow you to retain strength and focus because building on the emotional aspects of your heart can be beneficial to you, to your family, and to your ministry. You see, building up your heart is vital. You know, while being a shortstop, I'm going to just give you a little baseball analogy here. Being a shortstop, I was never a shortstop. I was a softball pitcher. I was a baseball player with my younger brother. Actually, my actually, he was two years older than me. And uh, he was a pitcher. He got he was to get drafted by St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, but he had an accident and then he lost that ability to pitch. And he was really good. But shortstop was not something I ever played. And so, but being a shortstop can help a team. But repositioning would provide longevity to the team or the ministry. So sometimes changing positions can add a fresh perspective to your ministry. So some of you have heard of Cal Ripken Jr. So he was an all-star. He played shortstop for a long time in his career for the Baltimore Orioles. But he moved to third base. That's the hot corner. If you know anything about baseball, when people hit that ball down to third base, it's coming. And Cal Ripken Jr. went from shortstop and moved over to the third base to help his team to continue to win games. So you could say in his 21 years, it put him well into his second half of his life, but he was willing to move to help the team. Bobby Bonner, you, should, you know that name. He's a local pastor and missionary to African countries. He played with Cal Ripken Jr. I talked to, to Bobby just recently, and he told me that he became a utility player. That means he repositioned playing multiple positions to help the team to be successful. That means he could play many positions. He did that to help the team. He was willing to make that change. And then finally, Ernie Banks, Mr. Cub, as they called him, played over 1,200 games at first base. He continued his career by switching to shortstop, the third base, and the outfield. So he did that way past the time that he's been playing. You can potentially enhance your ministry in the second half by maybe making changes to your position if needed and becoming a strong contributor to the ministry. You don't have to be the main thing. You see, 
you can be a part of a ministry and, and find out what God wants for you. You don't always have to be the person. And so sometimes we have to look at our ministry and say, you know what? I've been holding this position for a long time. It's time for someone else to do it, but I'm not getting out. I want to continue to, to bless others. And that's what you have to do. So here's my next point in, inside your handout. Finishing strong is realizing your principles. Finishing strong is realizing your principles. <clears throat> you see, regardless of the world's perspectives that are often based on perception, you must maintain and stand for clear biblical principles. You see, the 10 spies that went out, they perceived that they could not take the land. They didn't have principles that included trusting in God. My next slide says in verse 8 of Joshua 14, Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. Those 10 men had negative reports, and it caused the people to struggle. You've been around people like that? You ever been in a church meeting, and there's a small group of people who have lots of negativity to say, and it causes the hearts of the people to melt because of the negative reports that people bring. That's what they did. But, but Caleb said, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. You see, those 10 spies were, they were afraid of the giants and the walls and the others in Canaan. But finishing strong requires you to have a heart for the Lord and have the same confidence that Joshua and Caleb had. Caleb wholly followed the Lord regardless of the attitudes of the other spies. It's vitally important to know that if your desire has gotten weak and you have allowed distractions to keep you from totally following the Lord, you will not finish strong. Don't let that happen. Here's my next point. Finishing strong is reclaiming the promises on the inside of your handout. Verse 9 of Joshua 14, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Moses told Caleb that because of his faithfulness in following the Lord, he and his children would inherit property in the promised land forever. You know, one of the most exciting things about stepping out in faith in the first half of ministry is that your investment and commitment in following God will pay huge dividends as you finish strong. Here's my next slide, which is verse 10. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and five years, even since the Lord spake the word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and lo, and now lo, I am this day four score and five years old. You know what that means? Caleb is now 85. He's now 85. My next slide says, finishing strong is retaining God's power. Retaining God's power. Caleb is now 85 years old. Wow. And Bob, you know, I thought you and I were old, but uh, we're up there. So we're, we're in our 70s. So, but we're still hanging in there. Caleb is 85. He's talking about durability, reliability. He's talking about being competent, might, putting forth the effort. Verse 11 says, next slide, said, As yet I am as strong this day as I was the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, but to go out and to come in. 
Amazing. He was 40 when they went out to spy the land. And they wandered in the, in the desert for 40 more years. Man. And then it takes, add another five years in there, and Caleb is saying, I'm 85 now. And I'm just as strong today as I was then. Clearly, maintaining strength for 85 years requires commitment to our health. And we have to do it. We, we, my wife gets on my case about exercise and walking. And last year, when Chris gave his presentation in this room here, Finishing Strong, you know, uh, I got inspired and got on the mind diet and I said, ah, this is good. You know, I was losing weight and then I started wavering. I started wavering. It's called commitment. So if we want God to use us, we have to also focus on our health. We have to. So here's my next point. Finishing strong is reaching for your passion. Reaching for your passion. Verse 12 in the next slide says, Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. You see, Caleb, he took these tasks at hand personal. In verse 13, he says, if so, if the Lord be with me, then I. You see that? He said, then I. He didn't say we. He said, I will drive them out. Then that's, that's, that's amazing when you can say, Lord, put this burden on me. I want to do this. Lord, send me out. I'm willing to do this. No matter what the opposition is, I want to encounter it because I want to serve you. I want to be victorious for you. You know, my next point, point seven says, if you want to finish strong, then you must be willing to say, give me this mountain. You have to be able to say that. Lord, give me this mountain. You see, Caleb had a passion for the hill country. He had spied this land before, and he was not afraid of those men of great size there. Numbers 14, 24 says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and have followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. You see, instead of complaining and murmuring like the Israelites, Caleb's spirit was one of obedience, gratefulness, and victory. There was a lot of whining on their part. My next point is finishing strong is recharging your faith purposefully. Purposefully means intentional. Acting purposefully is doing something on purpose. It demonstrates your resolve. Caleb demonstrated his faith by waiting 45 years for the promise of God. 45 years. Remember, he was 40 when he went in, into the land. And they, they went into the desert because they didn't believe. He did. Joshua did. But they didn't. You know, like I said, 45 years is a long time to wait on the promise of God. Maybe you've been in ministry a long time. You felt called. And you heard the promises of God through his word in your heart. The key to all that is your faith. Caleb remained faithful to God to fulfill his promises. He never allowed those around him to discourage him. If you, want, if you really think about it, Caleb 
and Joshua, they had to be among the whiners and murmurers during Israel's 40 years in the desert. Can you imagine what was going on? They were already complaining. If you go back to the time when Moses was doing that, and you know he told Moses to speak to the rock, and Moses did, and water came out. The next time Moses is so upset that when he told him to speak to the rock, he struck it. You see, what happens is that was because the people were, were getting on his last nerve. Well, what about you? You're in ministry. And people are complaining about this church or any church, the church that you're a part of. And they're trying to figure out ways to find ways to, to move people out because they don't like the way they, they don't like the decisions that have been made because they're tired of waiting on God. Well, that's not what Caleb did. You know, Caleb began to look at the promises of God. So let me introduce you to a term that you maybe never heard about. I just heard about it this year. It's called moral injury. Anybody heard of that word, moral injury, before? It's, 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 a, it's a term. This is something that can affect you physically, mentally, and spiritually. So I was dealing with a church person recently who clearly had a lot of issues. Maximum efforts were made by me and others to help. Let's just say I was more involved in listening and hearing and time trying to help, that I would lose sleep at times trying to think of ways and words to help this person. The reality was that there were some psychological issues that needed to be addressed. This person's out-of-state family member called me, and this person was a pastor, and he told me how he suffered a moral injury, and I said, I don't know what that is. He said, I suffered it trying to help my relative over the years. So I did look up that term. You see, as a pastor or leader, you can be a moral participant like first responders, medical personnel, teachers, counselors, who experience changes in life meaning from their efforts to help people during traumatic events like divorce, family breakdown, mental health, doctrinal disagreements, murder, crime, those type of things. Moral injury affects your ability to finish strong and can occur when we get too close to situations when we have to continue to process the information coming from people who are in a wilderness situation. Think about that. The children of Israel were in a wilderness and they were whining, they were complaining, and Caleb and Joshua had to listen to that. They had to process that. What were they trying to do? I'm sure they were saying, look, be faithful. God's going to do this. God's going to take care of us but they were constantly complaining. And I'm telling you, you're gonna experience that. And you have to figure out how can I make sure I don't suffer from a moral injury because you get too close. So you have to recognize your limitations. You really do. You see, when we put ourselves in a position to suffer a moral injury, when we don't step back and allow the Holy Spirit to do the work, we're in trouble. If we can't do it. No matter how hard we want to see that person become successful, or to get out of that, whatever they're in, you have to say, I got to give this over to the Lord. You have to do that. I'm sure Caleb and, and Jacob had to process all those complaints. Israel did not have to be moral injury victims, but they chose to reject God's promises. As a pastor or leader, you are in reality a moral agent 
trying to get moral injury victims to believe God and follow his, his promise. That's why I say you have to recognize your limitations. If you're going to finish strong, you need to recharge your faith. Hold on to the eternal purpose that God purposed in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 3, 10 and 11 and 21, part of that says, glorifying God by Jesus Christ through his body, the church, as we walk in the spirit and preach the gospel to the world. If you do that, you will finish strong. Here's my next point. Sustaining faith is asking for that mountain on the first page of your handout, the front page. Sustaining faith is asking for that mountain, a willingness to climb it and claim it for the Lord. Caleb's faith gave him strength to wait on the Lord. You see, the children of Israel did not want to wait on the Lord. They want to give it to me now. We're in a microwave society right now. We want it, and we want it right now. We don't want to wait on God. And those men who were on that platform who went out to plant churches, and when you consider this church and others, man, you have to understand, they had to wait on God. Because, you know, if you say, God, do it right now. Put 400 people in the chairs, in the seats right now, Lord. I don't need to do anything. I, it's not going to happen. We got to wait on God. Psalm 20, 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, God can get our attention by making us wait. You see, if you're willing to wait on God to give you what he wants to give you, then you can be successful. There are many people in the Bible who waited on God. Joseph waited. He waited on God while he was in prison. And while he was waiting on God, he continued to minister right there in prison. While Paul was in prison waiting on God, he wrote scriptures that we read today. You see, if you're going to say, give me this mountain, you have to be willing to wait on God and stay focused. Here's my final slides. Give me this mountain. Joshua 14, 13 to 14. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Japuneth, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Japuneth, the Kenesite, unto this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. I'll say it again. If you want the mountain, then be willing to sacrifice it all for him. Finishing strong takes sacrifice. If you want the mountain, then be willing to sacrifice it all for him because finishing strong takes sacrifice. If you finish well and leave well, God will bless you. The question is, what is your legacy? How do you honor those before you? This Hebron was an impressive landmark. In Genesis 23, we'll find out, if you look there at some, at some point, you'll find that Abraham bought a cave of Machpelah from Ephron the Hittite. And if you know anything about that, the Hittites were some of the people that God destroyed in Canaan. But this cave of Machpelah in the city of Hebron is the burial place of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rebecca, and Leah. They were all buried there. Caleb from the tribe of Judah inherited the land that those patriarchs and matriarchs were buried. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is from the line of Judah. He is the lion of Judah. 
he was willing to take on the cross a huge task. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him just deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If you want the mountain, then be willing to sacrifice it all for him. Finishing strong, take sacrifice. You see, it's not about how we start our ministries. It's about how we finish. He says, give me this mountain. And so I, I want to just take a second to challenge you to focus on your attitude, an attitude of faith of saying, Lord, I want this mountain. I want to be able to serve you. And if you say, give me this mountain, then you have to be willing to forsake it all. You have to have faith to wait on him. You have to be willing to listen to the leaders. If you're a leader, you have to be willing to listen to the followers. You have to be willing to make some changes. Reposition your position. I gave you the baseball analogy, you know, where Cal Ripken was a shortstop and he went to third base. He did that. Then I told you Bobby Bonner, a missionary, who did the same thing. He became a utility man. I thought that was interesting. A utility man plays a lot of positions. You can do that too. So you don't always have to be the person, but you have to be willing to say, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. And that's the focus of it. So I want to thank you so much for allowing me to come out and, and just share with you what was on my heart, because I thought Caleb was, was a great example of men who are of that age, because the scripture said he was 85. And he said, I'm just as strong today as I was then. Can you say that? Can you say that, Lord, my heart is there and I'm not going to let adversity keep me from serving you. I'm not going to let things drag me down because I want to serve you. What can I do to help others? How can I be a, a beacon light in the midst of a storm for those who are struggling? And that's the main focus. Amen. So I know we're in pretty good time here. So I have a couple of things I want to throw at you and take about five minutes or so. Um, looking at this baseball analogy, and we're talking about give me this mountain, we're talking about Caleb. So how many of you played some form of baseball or softball? Okay. All right. That's good. That's good. And if you haven't played it, you've watched it. So, so the TV helps with that. So when you look at the baseball and you see all the positions on the field, visualize in your mind, you have a catcher, pitcher, you have first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and then you have your outfielders. So if you were to look at yourself and the baseball analogy is your ministry, what position do you feel like that you could picture yourself in in helping the ministry? So I'll give you an example. If you say, Dave, I'm like a shortstop because anything that comes, I can go either way. I can do it because they depend on me to get that ball over the first base. Then you could say, well, in ministry, that's, I'm like that too because when I, when I see things coming, I want to be able to cut it off and, and make that play. 
Can you see yourself? Or if you say, I'm the catcher. Everything comes to me. And I can, I can tell the, give all the signals out. And all the, I can control what's going on. Can you see yourself in any position on the baseball field in terms of ministry? Anybody? Catcher. Catcher. Why? Seeing what's happening, but then not being the guy to make all the catches and all the throws and run all the bases, but just to be maybe oversight coordinator, keeping an eye on the big picture. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Anybody else? Nobody? There you go. Why first base? Ideal for a left-handed first baseman. So maybe being physical, you know, accepting as God to give me strength physically as I go along, need that, you know, physical ability to to finish well. Absolutely. That's good. That's good. So while while you're thinking of some others, what about the people who are on the team? And you have coaches. So the coaches are in the dugout, right? But when you're on offense and your team is batting, you have a coach at first base, correct? And you have a coach over on third base. There's no coach on second. So you have one at first and you have one at third. So you get a hit and you're running down first base and that coach is giving you signs. So he's either going to do this which means stop. Or he's going to do this. He's going to say, go. He wants you to continue on to second base. But what happens when you, this really strong Christian in ministry, and your coach, your pastor says, stop. But you decide, no, I know I can make it. So you, what they call, you run through the sign. You run through the sign. What happens? you'll probably get thrown out at second base. You're out of here. Sometimes, most of the time in baseball, they don't throw you off the team. But sometimes in ministry, you may get put out of ministry because because you have become so uh, belligerent. You have become, uh, any word that I can think of that, disobedient, there you go. Because you you refuse to heed the signs. And that's important. What happens if you're in the outfield and somebody hits the ball way out there, but you don't catch it, but you get it, and you decide that I'm going to get that guy that's trying to score from third base. I'm going to get him, so I'm going to throw this ball all the way from the outfield to home plate because or if you're left-handed or right-handed, I'm so strong. I'm Bo Jackson or whoever, and I can throw this ball all the way to home plate. What happens in ministry when there are situations that occur and you decide that you want to do it yourself? In baseball, what they call, it's called a cutoff man. You guys know that. It's called a cutoff man. The cutoff man is there for a person, for a reason. The cutoff man will venture out into the outfield just a little bit so that you can throw the ball to him. 
And then when he gets it, he throws it to home plate to get that person out. That ball will get to home plate faster than you thinking that I want to be on ESPN. I want them to see that I can do this. Or you want to show the, the folks in ministry how strong of a Christian you are, a leader you are, that you don't want to include other people. You want the glory. You see, Caleb never did that. Caleb just says, I can do this. Why? Because he wholly followed the Lord. He used God as his focal point. And I challenge you today, if you're going to say, give me this mountain, be willing to understand where God has you. Understand your position. Understand that you may have to reposition your position. You have to refresh your promises and see what God wants you to do and understand in the midst of all of this, God is able and he can do it all if you are willing to sacrifice and give it all for him. Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for all the things you've done today, Lord. Uh, I pray that uh, what I said was, was effective. I pray, Lord, thank you so much for the Holy Spirit speaking through me. Lord, uh, I just pray as the, as the men continue to speak and the ladies who are involved in these all these ministries, Lord, you would use us all for your glory. Thank you so much for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Chris. Yes. <clears throat> Thank you, Dave. Um, okay, so I know the Holy Spirit was talking. He was talking to me. Um, I let, let's let's just do this. We have time and space for maybe a little bit of a, a group discussion here. Um, so maybe even maybe even a discovery Bible method type situation here. So so is there anybody who would say God? God was speaking to me like something you've been wrestling with. Anything like that. We have time to share. No. It, yeah, Bob. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm uh, pastoring a small church. Uh, and as a pastor, you want that church to grow. You, 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 you teach and you preach and you see Holy Spirit changing lives here and there. But you also want numbers. And as Dave was talking about, you have to be willing to wait. <laughs> I want it now, Lord. Okay, in my time, not yours. Okay. You continue to remind yourself of that. Yeah. So waiting on the Lord. Just, yeah. Is there anybody who's repositioning? Anybody? Um, maybe the structure, maybe your role. Okay, so let's just say you've been involved in ministry a long time. You, you can rightly divide the word of God and you are throughly furnished unto all good works. You're throughly furnished unto children's ministry and unto whatever you have, praise and worship. Maybe that's Maybe that doesn't fit very well because that's like different gift set, but and then, so God, having throughly furnished you into all good works, has taken you from one good work to another one. Anybody in a situation like that? Where things have, I know for Christine and I, the scope of our ministry has changed considerably. 
um, you know, we, my role at Midtown isn't what it used to be. Okay. That's, that's not been really fun for me, honestly. Like I, I don't like all the changes and, and the, like, like maybe we're more wired for the church plant than we are more of a structured, formalized, super organized, like structure, like, like we're developing at Midtown now. We've we've had to reposition ourselves and and praise the Lord, we've got more ministry than we could handle. It's not like we need one more thing to do, but it has been definitely a repositioning that there's almost a little bit of loss sometimes. There's almost a little bit of grief that comes from letting go of maybe something that we used to like we spent 15 years building a ministry and now people are like, yeah, we don't, we don't want your help with that. You can go do something else. It's like, Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm yeah. Eric. I was going to kind of go with me. Pretty much since I've been here at Midtown, it's been praise and worship, but then there's always been something else. So like I was doing praise and worship, but then also reaching out to Muslims. And I think about, as you know, like 12 or 15 years intensively doing that, but then Come clear to me that God has closed that door in the way that it looked then. Like it's not going to look that way now. Um, and so the thing that I've been wrestling with is like, well, what is? Because it's always been praise and worship and something else, mm-hmm. and that something else hasn't been clearly defined for me yet. And that's been the thing that I've been sort of. So I've, I had to go through a period of grieving because of the, you know, not having the same opportunity that I had with um, the reaching out to. Muslims, you know, as intensively as I was doing that, because that's changed so much now. Yeah. So is there like a spying? Okay, so give me this mountain, right? So Caleb had that promise. Okay, so he was one of the spies. He he had the promise, like that was going to be his mountain. Like, so for you, Eric, it's like, okay, well, God, is this my mountain? Is, is praise and worship my like, like, I wonder, is there a spying out of the land that is maybe part of repositioning a little bit? So, so for us, it's been, you know, we're, we're, we're actually praying about Nairobi. You know, it doesn't make sense that God's going to send us to Nairobi to help get that work started for Midtown, but maybe he is. So we are, we are spying that out it's like well god like should i be saying give me that particular mountain or is that just me like just me and it's really not of the lord so i I don't know is is so with you was there a spying out of the land kind of a process for you Uh, in terms of what comes after yeah so like you're you kind of repositioned a little bit I think it is just the continued focus on investing in young guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing that my capacity grow to do that, that's why I wrote the fully equipped book that, you know, coming to a shelf near you, like that'll be. <laughs> um, and uh, so I think that could be what it is, but it's still me seeking the Lord to see exactly what that looks like. Yeah, that's good. What else? What? Yes. Yeah, I'm kind of. My name is Joel, by the way. Hey, Joel. Um, I'm kind of. In that same headspace, trying to discern 
like what God is doing because you know, you know, I preached and taught adult Sunday school and now I'm in kids ministry and it's like at first I was like, oh, my kids really need the help and then it's like, wait, I'm loving this and I was like, wait a minute, like what's happening here and then just uh, I don't know that desire to do missions work and that's something I've never really considered like I've never thought I'd say like oh I'm going to be a missionary and I'll be sent and, you know I was like I'll supply and help the people that are being sent yeah be that person I'll fund that but now it's like wait you may be going and I was like wait a minute like <laughs> so that's being stirred right now and I'm trying to just pray and fast and like see uh, what God is doing with that you know um, and it's not like it's something that I've done extensively I've only been on one mission trip um, it's just like a desire specifically with like Haiti and going there it's like okay okay like what is what's happening like yeah like I want to serve you here you gave me you give me this mountain with the kids ministry I've taught I've preached and I'm loving this and it's just like oh there's more <clears throat> okay you know so yeah um sometimes it can be challenging because it's like I want to do everything to the Lord. Like, yeah. You know, I can't do it all. So there's a there's definitely a repositioning. And then and then maybe this call to missions, which yeah, you want to spy out that land and yeah. I guess my thing and my question would be is like for 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 you to say, give me this mountain. Like I'm not done yet. I, I'm I'm still strong. I still have faith. I still have the promises of God. Give me this. Like you have to be able to define like this mountain, I guess is what I'm wondering. Like, so like what, so George and Jamie, you guys ended up a church that really kind of happened as a process over time, but there was a point at which it became evident. That's what was happening. And at that point you were able to say, okay, God, give me this mountain and, and faith and does that make sense Am I, is that does anyone else have like a like yeah bob okay tell me if i if i'm going too far i'll stop like okay i can't even believe this is happening okay all right so tomorrow we'll cover what i'm trying to say but not saying okay yes wagi Crying to the Lord, and uh, I can sometimes, you know, somebody will just tell me that uh, your daughter is neglected like a certain in northern Iraq, and there is a big need for the Arabic speaking here. And somebody will say something else, uh, and, uh, but uh, but now thank you, Dave. Uh, I will continue cry to the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yes.
Yeah. And they were, I'm sure they were struggling because they had to hear all of that, all the complaints and murmuring and all those different things. Oh, yeah. And they had to try to stay focused. So maybe you're in a type of situation that you're not hearing a lot of murmuring and complaining, but there's some confusion as to what, whose God's voice are you hearing? What voice are you hearing? There's a, yeah, there's a lot of murmuring and just Laodicea. It's, it's maybe subtle because, because we're all church people, but we're holding service on Sunday, really? Like, like we get exposed to like low level, like it's not people like curse you. It's not that, but we get, ex okay, that'll suck the life out of you over 45 years. Trying to talk people into caring about the things of God. Okay, here's what's happening. Just let me throw this picture out there. What happened in the wilderness? What happened? Murmuring and complaining, right? And then, so who went into the wilderness? All of them. Who came out of the wilderness? Okay. So the old man died in the wilderness. And the new man the, the younger came out. So what happens in the wilderness is that we, you put off the old man and you put on the new man. The old passes away. Why? Because the wilderness is like, you finally come to the point where you're ready to just simply trust the promises of God. And you're ready to just finally surrender. Okay, somebody, hello. You're, you're just finally ready to surrender and say, I'll cross the Jordan and I'll enter into the promised land. I, I will now live according to the promises of God. God, I'm done trying to be good. I'm trying, I'm done trying to be better. I'm trying, I'm done just trying to make something happen. By I'm now just ready to trust you according to your promises. Does that make sense? Okay, I don't know. And maybe there's somebody here and you got a promise from God. And then you've just been kind of in the wilderness of, uh, I don't know, whatever, but maybe someone just needs to cross the Jordan. Yeah, Mark and then Christine, yeah. Since I've been there, I've changed, been changed position. God, I don't know if it was God or me, but it seems like every time I changed the position, it was for me, not the team. I went on a mission trip. I worked with Baxter. I did this. But I think it was because things I wanted to do. At this point in my life, you've opened my eyes today. I don't want to die an old man in the wilderness. So if God chooses to reposition me at this point, it's for his glory and the team. And then I dig in and I dedicate myself the rest of whatever life I had to doing God's will. Because it made me feel good for a little while. But it, it, it was for me, not God. So this today is really, I know why I chose this, this group to come to today, and I can't wait for them. Praise the Lord. So let, let Pastor Wagi and I coach you. Let us, let, we'll help you. We'll, we'll get you there. Praise the Lord. That's awesome, Mark. Christine? Where I was attacked, so there 
with the program for Texas Hold, um, I haven't taken off my hat as the group has grown tremendously from more than I can support this. So I keep saying, focusing on the mountain, give me this mountain. Not asking for this mountain and this corporate land and this field and this, but to, to, to see people, and the way the Bible says, are fully followed the Lord. And I sense a very purposeful, deliberate focus on a mountain, and he's going to do whatever it takes to take that mountain forward, wholeheartedly and single-mindedly. And um, I see God repositioning me to you know, take off some action and cast the baton in some areas so that I can be more focused and more deliberate and more purposeful and more sacrificing for a mountain. Awesome. Anybody who can say... I need to remember that promise I got all those years ago. And I need to reclaim that promise. Those were two of Pastor Dave's points. Brian, that's you. awesome i know i i need to remember and reclaim some promises Isn't that crazy how could you ever forget that thing that god did and i'm like well i i don't know i guess i just got moral injury or something like i don't know like it just it just happens like we're we're that fickle and then and just to be reminded like mission like so, so good so good i know god's done work in your life don't forget that, you know, what, what did I, I don't know who said it first. Don't forget in the dark, what God showed you in the light. Right. Yeah. So no, this has been really great. Any, anything else? Um, anybody? 
from a from a group. No. All right, we'll we'll pray and we'll wrap it up. And and um, I'm excited, Bob, to to hear hear about. I'm excited that God teed this up so well. I'm yeah. Excited. What what am I going to say? <laughs> Perfect. All right, Mike, can you just pray and wrap us up? Amen. All right. Thanks, everybody. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you're interested in learning more about the Living Faith Fellowship, visit lffellowship.com. God bless.